Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Know the difference between divergent thinking and convergent thinking. Divergent thinking is the wild, creative, we think in a constellation, everything's related, we pop down the rabbit holes and explore things. But then the convergent thinking, again, that's the boring, grown-up details, and that doesn't feel as good for the ADHD brain. Hello, my name's Ian Ansegray, and welcome to episode 126 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. In today's show, we're gonna be sharing top ADHD mindset optimization tips for entrepreneurs. So let's get on with the show, but first. Looks like it's time for something completely nutty. Give me some ADHD. Mindset optimization tips. ADHD mindset optimization. Yeah. Dr. Tamara is here. Help me now, please. Welcome to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Helping you level up your impact, authority, and profits through the power of Confident Live Video. Optimize your mindset and communication and increase your confidence in front of the camera. Get confident with the tech and gear. And get confident with the content, content and marketing. marketing. Together, we can go live! Well, hello, hello, hello. This is episode 126 of the Confident Live Marketing Show. In today's show, we're gonna be talking about top ADHD mindset optimization tips for entrepreneurs. I want to introduce my guest today. Dr. Tamara Rozier has been a college administrator, a professor, a leadership consultant, a high school teacher, a national public speaker, and an ADHD coach. Through these adventures, Dr. Rozier has developed valuable insight into ADHD and how it affects one's life. As founder of the ADHD Center of West Michigan, she leads a team of coaches, therapists, and speech pathologists to help individuals, parents, and families develop an understanding and learn effective skills to live with ADHD effectively. Her book, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, Your Brain's Not Broken, provides strategies for navigating the powerful emotions that are accompanied by ADHD. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Tamara. Great to see you. We've rolled out the red carpet. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. It's, it's a pleasure. I am so thrilled to be here. And, and I think what I'm really thrilled about is entrepreneurs tend to be 300% more likely to have ADHD than neurotypicals. And so I'm so thrilled to be here because I'm talking to your people and <laughs> they're very likely to have ADHD. Well, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you, because do you think people, entrepreneurs are that forthcoming in admitting that they have ADHD? Or do you think it's like this kind of almost like a dirty little secret that they don't want to share with people? It's absolutely a dirty little secret. The foreword that I wrote for my book is actually me kind of coming out as an ADHD person saying, you know what, I can't hide this anymore. Here's how I compensate. And I'm encouraging you to kind of come out and say, I have ADHD. 
Well, I think we need that. I, I, I have this kind of flaw in my personality that I can't really keep things <laughs> private. I have to, but I want to encourage people uh, because I see a lot of people out there who have got just overflowing with creativity, but they have all these other issues like dist- getting distracted and you, you might want to call it squirrel syndrome or something like that. Then there's all these things that people struggle with and also a lack of self-esteem and all this kind of stuff. But before we get into that, my wife has known for, well, she says she's known for ages that I've probably got ADHD and I was in denial about it. And I came across this video on YouTube. It was yourself and uh, a functional doctor. And I watched it and I was just really interested. And then you came on and you started talking about all these traits, which we'll probably get on to talking about. And I thought, oh, oh no, (laughs) oh no, I've got all of those. Oh dear, maybe I do have ADHD. And it was like this big epiphany moment, which changed so much for me. And you just explained it in such an easy to understand way. But you also, there was a lot of, in a sense, darkness in terms of what you were talking about. Like it was kind of depressing. You were not shying away from the negative side of ADHD, but you were also very positive in saying that actually there are loads of things that we can do, lots of tips, optimization tips. And so I reached out to you and uh, you very kindly agreed to come on to the, the show, which I'm very excited about. But I'd love to know, how did you get into what you're doing today. Can you give us a brief potted history? Yes. By the way, if you just hear my bio, that is a ridiculous ADHD bio. (laughs) In other words, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And just for my bio, you know, she probably has ADHD. So many, many ADHD people get bored very easily. And I'm one of those people. And so I have about eight years at a job before I'm like, well, it's time to move on. So I started my career as a high school teacher and I found out I was really good at teaching those squirrely at-risk kids. I'm super old, so this was in the early 90s and ADHD was out, but it's not totally talked about. But I found I had a real niche being able to talk with them. What I've learned since then is that ADHD people, we can kind of get in tune with each other because we both speak the ADHD language. You'll see in my office, uh, ADHD people syncing up together and the neurotypical, the person without ADHD going, what's happening here? How are you guys speaking the same language? So I found that out uh, when I was a high school teacher, but then it it now flash forward several years, I wanted to leave higher ed. And one of my colleagues said to me, you know, you'd be a very good ADHD coach. And I literally said, what is that? I didn't know there was such a thing as ADHD coaching. I I hadn't really been identified. Clearly, I wasn't hiding it as well as I thought I was. By the way, those of you who think you have ADHD and are hiding it, we're really not hiding it. And that's why I'm just saying, just be okay with who you are and compensating for your ADHD. So uh, for the first time in my life, I followed directions and I became an ADHD coach. And that's awesome. Well, that's great. Well, I'm glad you did because you I know that you help so many people and you're not just interested in individuals, but also families and entrepreneurs. And all of us, when we're not just individuals, we have influence on so many other people. So if we can sort ourselves out, we can actually sort of sort a few other people out in the process, which is great as well. So thank you. Thank you for that. So what is ADHD? We, I, I 
talked about this on a show maybe about a month ago, and I did my own research, but you know a lot more about it than I do. And how is that different to people who have ADHD-like symptoms? Some people might be get distracted easily or, or find it difficult to get started on a project or procrastinate, or maybe there's the whole they can't keep still side of things. What's your definition of ADHD? All right. So I'm going to nerd out just for 30 seconds. Okay. 25. I'll make it short. So there's two parts of the brain that are affected by ADHD. There's the prefrontal cortex. And if you tap on your forehead, that's where your prefrontal cortex is. And that is the place where we know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And people with ADHD don't always have those three things activated. So I might know what I need to do. I just don't know really how or when to start it. And a lot of entrepreneurs have come into that problem. The second part of the brain is in the limbic system. And that's right, kind of, it's, it looks like the brain in the brain when you look uh, this up on the computer. So the limbic system has one goal, is to keep you safe. However, when you have ADHD, you have a very twitchy limbic system. In other words, it goes off where it shouldn't go off, and it doesn't go off when it should. So the limbic system is for fight, flight, or freeze. However, I work with individuals who go in freeze right before a big project is due. Well, your brain accidentally thought that was a bear chasing you, and so you go into the freeze mode. And so ADHD people, we're always misjudging what's a real threat and what's a minor inconvenience. And because of that, we respond emotionally. That is really, really helpful. I I had a, a life coach on my show last year, and I've been feeling this for quite a while. I look at other people out there, and I, I know you shouldn't compare yourself with others, but I felt that the resistance that sometimes I have to certain projects, like it might be creating a YouTube video, or even going live, or doing some kind of big thing. I just have often such a massive resistance to it. And then I see other people out there who just don't seem to have that. And we were talking about that a lot on the show. And I thought, oh, maybe everyone's the, kind of the same. And maybe I'm just lazy. Maybe I'm just lazy. Oh, how? Yeah. Uh, so like, how is... That makes me so sad because, because you have a different way of approaching things. You just assumed it's a moral deficiency. I'm lazy. And you, you went there instead of saying, what if I have an executive function problem that my brain doesn't know what to do, how to do it, or when to do it? Yeah, I think that's really important. So I think finding out whether you have ADHD, well, certainly for me, it was an epiphany moment. I've not been diagnosed yet, by the way, and that's something we'll talk about. But for me, it was a massive epiphany moment and a really, really positive moment because I suddenly felt I kind of understood myself and not that I had an excuse as such, but I could take the guilt away. I had so much guilt about yeah. the fact that I thought I was lazy and I couldn't do all this stuff. And it's kind of took that away. But then the next stage is thinking, well, okay, that's great. Well, maybe it's not great, but it is what it is. What do I then, what do we need to do about it? But before we get onto that, if you actually do have ADHD, how is that different to people who have ADHD-like symptoms? They, they don't have that problem with the prefrontal cortex not being activated. They're more of a neurotypical brain, but they still have these symptoms. So is what we're going to be talking about today still helpful to people 
with those symptoms? It is. There are many things that will mimic ADHD, OCD, PTSD, anxiety can all affect the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system at the same time. So it would take really a brain scan to really sort all that out. But if you have ADHD-like symptoms, your prefrontal cortex is still under attack. It still doesn't know what to do, how to do, when to do it. And so, yes, these things still apply to you. Yeah, that's great. So if you do want to be diagnosed, then it will depend on the country that you go to, that you're in. But usually you'll see some kind of psychologist, psychiatrist. But it's interesting that you can also get a brain scan potentially. And, and that will, potent will that actually show uh, the difference in your brain? Well, actually, I was being a little flippant then okay. because we don't actually do that. We don't have great technology to do it. Uh, we can study the brain. We can see what's happening. But really, that's left for researchers. Um, I know that there's a couple physicians in the U.S. doing that, but that's not really standard care yet. So, okay. so it's, it's really a messy situation. Right. Yeah. But I do want to add one other thing. Uh, there's a strong hereditary component for ADHD. So for those of you who have a son or a daughter with ADHD, um, as I'm working with children, I always say, so where do you think this came from? And parents look at each other like, I, we don't know. And then as, as I start talking with the, uh, the child, the parent, one parent starts to go, oh, and has a moment like you had going, oh, this is me. And so um, you, that's why I work with families because ADHD affects entire families. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, and uh, I've definitely seen some of that in my situation. <laughs> um, let's, let's, let's not go any further than that. But uh, uh, just looking at who's uh, watching live, Melissa's apologize. You don't need to apologize for being late. It's just great to see you from just down the road in Cheshire. Great to see you, Melissa. And you were saying uh, hard to focus. Is that something that you struggle with? Uh, yeah, it's definitely something that I struggle with. And Katie is saying... That makes sense, a lot of sense regarding PTSD being similar in some ways to ADHD for me. So you kind of talked about this earlier. A lot of entrepreneurs have ADHD. And it's interesting, since I last spoke about ADHD, a lot of people have come to me and said, yeah, I've got it. I, I actually feel really happy that I did that live show because it's got a lot of people talking about it. And so that's, that's great. That's what I want here. But why is it that so many entrepreneurs have it? Is it because, and this, this is what I think, that a lot of people have tried lots of other things. Like I've tried, I was a professional classical singer. I taught singing. I worked at a music shop. I run a web agency. <laughs> Sounds similar to you with all these different jobs. At uh, When I was working at the music shop, by the way, I, well, I was quite good at starting tasks, but not finishing them. And so they called me half a job, Ian. So that was, that was a great thing. Um, but I think it's because entrepreneurship is just a great place to explore all those ideas. And it's fun. And it's, it's also not fun as well. But do you think, is that part of it? Or give us a bit more thoughts well, on that. Yeah, we have a whole nervous system that is motivated by novel and new things. And so we're hunters, right? We're hunters in a farming world that um, I can't recall who actually said that. I think Tom Brown said that. So the modern hunter is an entrepreneur. And so we get a thrill from, some of us get a thrill from failing, 
like, hey, this is, I'm really close. I might fail at this, but what if I don't? And being an entrepreneur is scary. And the ADHD brain just gets a dopamine hit from that. And we love it. Yes. Yeah, the, the, and I, I think the other thing is we we can get hyper-focused as well. So I find this, I wish I wish I could put the hyper-focus in the bottle because like sometimes if I start a project, like a blog post, most of the time I, I don't want to write a blog post. It's as simple as that. But sometimes I start it and I can't finish. So I think sometimes with being an entrepreneur, a good thing is sometimes hyper-focused, would you say? Yes, but it's dangerous. Okay. <laughs> so when we're hyper-focusing, nothing on earth matters to us. And we may be hyper-focusing on the wrong thing. And so it's a dangerous tool to use. I teach my clients to go into a flow state rather than a hyper-focused state. There's a lot of shifting that has to happen in our thinking. And I don't want to go into too much detail and to bore you, but we're good at the divergent thinking, the idea making. Uh, putting ideas together, thinking of fantastical things, but we're not good at the, you said the finishing, that takes convergent thinking. That's boring uh, for us. Yeah. That's the grown up details. Um, you know, I, I just wrote a book and I was done writing it. I'm so glad I had editors because I'm like, stop <laughs> showing me this. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was done writing the book way too soon. And I'm grateful for a great team who kind of said, no, Tamara, just read this manuscript one more time. Yes. And, well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful uh, for them. Uh, <laughs> quite a few people have said, Ian, when are you writing your book? I just said, oh, my goodness. I just the, just the mere thought of writing a book, it just, oh. So having a team definitely will help. <laughs> um, that's, that's really, really helpful. Thank you for that way of looking at it. And, and I can see that uh, we've got a few people asking questions. So Hardboard English with Teach Paul says, this is a fascinating topic. I recognize some of these characteristics in myself. And Joe from Big Band Partnership says, diagnosed by a qualified psychiatrist as ADHD with hyperfocus, it's helped me be successful and find my passion, which is all things innovation, i.e. the ADHD, not the diagnosis. Thank you, Joe. So there are different kind of types of ADHD. There's, it used to be, there used to be ADD and ADHD. That always confuses me. And then the thing that really helped with my kind of thinking on this is that there are three types of ADHD. There's combined type, there's inattentive, and there's hyperactive. I, I might have that wrong. But I, I don't really have any issues with staying still or resting. But right. all the other things seem to be an issue for me. So I thought, because I'm not really that hyperactive, I was as a kid. My goodness, I was hyperactive as a kid. But as an adult, I don't really have an issue with that, with that so much. Can you maybe explain the differences and, um, and maybe some of the myths that we, we can sometimes have when it comes to ADHD. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to say something that sounds a little bit alarming. Uh, the diagnostic style manual is probably, probably a good 20 years behind on research on ADHD. Um, it's actually missing a lot of cases, um, especially high IQ women with ADHD. They can fake it and they can look very professional, just slightly anxious. And so right now the current diagnostic is sorely lacking. Our understanding and research of ADHD is blowing up. 
because now we can actually see the brain. We have great fMRI studies and other brain imaging studies. So now we know a ton more. So the DSM uses inattentive, attentive, and com combination. I just find that's not even that helpful because Ian, you said, well, I was hyperactive as a kid, but now as an adult, I can keep my hands to myself. What we're really saying is in your brain, there's a cacophony of sounds. And whether you're acting it out in a more extroverted way, or it's just a quiet cacophony in your head, in your body is still, it's still all ADHD. And so, if, by the way, we're not actually talking about voices in your head. That's a different show, different <laughs> diagnosis. Yeah. But, but those of us who have ADHD will know like we have 50 ideas in our head and they're all competing for time. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. I think I found it helpful just knowing that because I'm not physically hyperactive, that I didn't have ADHD. And so I just like I discounted that. And so uh, right. I, I, I think that was really helpful. Uh, we've got somebody in a Facebook group. I can't see who you are, unfortunately, because of Facebook privacy options. But anyway, saying that's so me on my way to discover that I belong to the club. And OMG, that's me. Every time I write a book, there is a point where I say I can't see it anymore. <laughs> Katie says, I've spent most of my day pa uh, picking my picking my net hold on one second picking my nails and mm -hmm. not able to focus so frustrating yeah katie that is actually um a form of your fidget and so a lot of nail picking um if i'm, I'm being a big grown-up today but i'll sit and twirl my hair this is just like a fidget toy and so uh katie for you i would just say do something else with your hands and keep keep busy yeah Definitely. Well, so we've talked about ADHD, like symptoms, different types of ADHD. Diagnosis, non-diagnosis. I've not gone down, you know, this is a recent thing for me, and I may go down the route of getting a proper diagnosis. Uh, do you think that is important? Or, uh, you know, what, what's your view on, on actually getting a professional um, to look at this? So it really depends on how much it's harming you. If, if you wake up in the morning, like I just can't do today because I'm already overwhelmed before I get out of bed. Or if you're, you were like me, you scare yourself out of bed with all the stuff you have to do. Probably seeking a diagnosis is, is really going to be helpful for you. Uh, however, if you're like, look, I'm trucking through life. I know my own strengths. I know my weaknesses and I know how to accommodate. Probably you don't need to be diagnosed. Okay, that's helpful. So could you give us maybe some of the traits that people with ADHD tend to have? I've, I've, when I watched that video, I found it just so, such an eye-opener. The things that we use to kind of hack our ways into doing certain things. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, I seem to use all of those techniques. Okay. Great question, because I, I call them the six bad tools we use to motivate yourself or ourselves. So if you're using these six tools every day to motivate yourself, eventually you're going to wear out. It's going to look like a depression. It's because you can't keep motivating yourself with these six bad tools. So the first bad tool is anxiety. And so remember I talked about the limbic system. You're trying to kind of set your limbic system on fire to do something. And so if you're having to motivate yourself using anxiety, 
that's usually a pretty good indication you should get a doctor and probably medication at that point. I'll just run through the tools very quickly. Second one is avoidance. Believe it or not, avoidance is a genius trick we use. I worked with a student, a U of M, very smart young woman, and she's like, I have this huge test to study for, so I cleaned my sock drawer. And she's very proud that she got her sock drawer cleaned. And she's like, Tamara, it's beautiful. And she took pictures of it, sent it to me. And so she was avoiding what she really had to do and did something else instead. So avoidance is another one. Anger. I worked with a man who uh, was so mad about his wife asking him to clean the garage. He cleaned the garage out of spite because his anger motivated him to do it. It backfired because the garage was clean and his wife was happy, but he had to work up all this anger just to get it done, which all of these are exhausting, right? Um, then we have shame and self-loathing. And that's when we kind of sink down, we start to shame ourselves. Most of you listening, if you're in your 50s, undiagnosed with ADHD, I can almost guarantee you that you use some kind of shame to motivate yourself. And I'd like to tell you that's not a great way to live. And you can, that, that's the benefit of getting diagnosed and treated is that you can actually live better without that shame. And self-loathing, well, some of us think, and I'm just gonna tell you the truth, if, um, I don't know if I would have a PhD without self-loathing. Now, had I been properly medicated at the time, I wouldn't have to use my self-loathing to hate myself while I'm writing the whole dissertation. By the way, I'm sorry, I left out procrastination. Oh, yes. I'm sure all of your listeners know this one. Um, I always say to my clients, I'm not going to take it away from you, I promise, but we'll just use it a little bit more carefully. Um, procrastination is a masterful trick that we use to light our brains on fire to get something done. But wow. those are the ways yeah. to motivate ourselves. Yeah, and it's uh, that then we can all hear how destructive all of those techniques are. But uh, I've done, used all of those in my time. I've uh, I've also clicked on the like the self destruct button. I I did a, a course and it went really really well, sold really well. And then I did a, I was going to do a second course and I kind of pressed the self sabotage button uh, because. That was easier than actually producing the work. Um, so, and yeah, I've, I, you know, depression, anxiety, self-loathing. And I've seen that with, when it comes to getting on camera and, and live video. It's a big thing. Right. And so we need to need to sort these things out. So I, I would love to know from you whether uh, you're watching or listening, whether you have struggled with any of those things. Obviously, this is... This is quite personal. And so if you don't feel comfortable uh, talking about those things in public, that's absolutely fine. Just direct message me, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. And if you are struggling with these things, then you do need to seek professional help. We're just talking about this on, the, on this show. But where, where, where does medication come into this? We're going to be talking about coaching and optimization tips. But uh, should we look at medication uh, or, or not? If we have been diagnosed, where does medication fit into all of this? All right. So in the 1980s, we tended to have a pattern. We, we didn't have a lot of drugs at our disposal. We started using kind of basic stimulants. 
and we didn't really get it right. So in the 1980s and early 90s, we saw kind of over-medicated kids. And now people say, hey, I don't want to get medicated because I don't want to be that over-medicated person. And I'm, I'm telling you, we've come so far since the 1980s in hairstyles, a lot of other things too. But um, it's, it's good to get medicated now. Here's what happens. It's like glasses. Ian, you and I were talking earlier. Um, you wear glasses because it helps you see. Mm. We're not mad that you're wearing glasses. <laughs> the glasses don't teach you how to read, but the glasses give your eye the appropriate lens so that you can make sight. And so that's how the medication works for us. 80% of us respond very well to a stimulant. And stimulants leave your body. They don't have a ton of uh, side effects. So it's, it's a really good option. Now, there are other um, categories of drugs, but the most physicians will say, let's, let's start by exploring a stimulant. Mm. That makes sense. Makes sense. I think I did read somewhere, and I think you may have mentioned this, undiagnosed people tend oh, to right. live not as long or something. Yeah, this research is, okay, this is, now we're getting into kind of the bummer territory of ADHD. Now, remember, there's some of you living with ADHD and you're like, really, it's not affecting me that much. And for you, great, keep doing your life. But for those of you who are really struggling, emotionally especially, the research is when you're, you have ADHD and you're unmedicated, um, you tend to live 13 years less than the neurotypical cohort. Mm. Now, remember yes. that's young boys in cars making impulsive decisions brings down our number, but so do people not taking care of their health, developing diabetes or health or other like heart, heart risk and environmental kind of cancers. So we tend to live life a little bit more carelessly. One of my clients is a dentist. And he said just last night, he said, you know, I can almost tell who has ADHD by how they treat their teeth. Um, so that's kind of the bad news of ADHD. Yeah, well, it's it's the bad news, but there is, well, I was going to ask you this question, is there any hope? And I'm hoping your answer is yes. <laughs> of course, because your brain's not broken, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so one other bad, or one other bad news that I just want to add in there. Okay. Yeah. Put, put, put another bit of bad news in and then we'll get on to, I just want people, I want people to realize, to know that we are going to get onto the good stuff. Don't worry. <laughs> right. I promise. Um, I spend a lot of my week trying to convince grown people to do two things, brush their teeth and go to bed on time. And because the ADHD brain just naturally doesn't like to do either. Um, most ADHD people are like, well, I know I need to, but I just kind of feel like it's a waste of time or I hate, I hate the smell of my toothpaste or I don't like the feel of my toothbrush, whatever. Um, and so those are two examples that really cause us to have a, our quality of life to go down. Right. All right. Enough bad news. That, that makes Sorry. sense. I well, I can, I, so I just want one thing I wanted to just ask you about is, and we talked about this before, is sugar. And one of the things you talked about this in the video that sugar is 
not good for people with ADHD. And interestingly, I gave up sugar back in 2015. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it was about then that my life just got a lot better. My business started to pick up. I was more focused on what I was doing. Um, And I just, I don't know, it could be a complete coincidence, but why is sugar not a good thing for people with ADHD? Uh, we're, the research on this is still very, very new. ADHD brains are very addictive and sugar is highly addictive. ADHD brains don't detoxify as quickly and as well. Again, research is very new in this, but sugar is an inflammatory agent. And so you're adding kind of inflammation there. The ADHD brain gets addicted to it. We think it's it feels like dopamine for us. So we get these quick highs, but then we get these huge crashes. So there are so many reasons um, yeah. why we have sugar. And, and, and maybe, maybe you know, obviously everyone's going to have a different situation. Everyone's got exactly. a different makeup. Yeah. 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 Um, so and I think that, you know, I've definitely had an addictive personality in the past. I remember I'm not really into computer games, but I remember playing a computer game, uh, starting playing at seven o'clock at night. And next thing I knew it was getting light outside. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that again. So <laughs> I think it's it's something that's uh, definitely a, an issue. Melissa is asking, what about coffee or tea? Yeah. What about coffee or tea? Uh, so it is a stimulant for us. Uh, many of my um, untreated clients will use coffee or tea or any of the like super soft drinks out there. Um, there are better ways to manage your ADHD. Um, and it's easier on your stomach. Um, a lot of there's a lot of neurons in your stomach. Um, the serotonin starts there. So a lot of times we want the liver to break down the stimulant instead of the stomach taking the brunt of that. Mm. Makes sense. Katie Simpson saying, I find it very hard indeed to calm my nervous system. So I take something to help me to get to sleep, but it doesn't help during the day. Is that kind of a, a, an issue that you've come across before? Yeah, Katie, I think you're also the one that mentioned you had PTSD-like symptoms too. Your nervous system is overactive. It does a ton of work. And so maybe a stimulant isn't going to be the best thing. You might want to go to the next category of ADHD meds and, and just talk to your doctor about that. Mm. I would like to say there's a therapy called EMDR. Our therapist in the center does that. It's very, very effective for those of us with overactive nervous systems. Ah, interesting. Interesting. We've got Doc Rock in the house saying, Aloha IAG. Great to see you, Doc. I hope you're doing well. Well, we've talked about a lot of negatives. We've talked a little bit about, you know, um, foods and, and coffees and teas and things like that. But it's time to think about what we can actually do, optimization tips and how coaching can help. Uh, so what do you actually do when you're coaching somebody? And what are some of the tips that you have for entrepreneurs that you work with? Yeah. Okay. And thanks. Thanks for really making it clear. There's a lot of downer information here. And sometimes we do feel at a total loss for like, how am I even a grown up in this world? And I don't know if you guys have had that thought, but a lot of times I'm, I go through my life, I'm running my business and I'm thinking, wow, I really need parental supervision here <laughs> because I'm not doing life well. 
And um, I don't grown up well. And so really what ADHD coaching is, I work with exceptionally bright people, people who really are incredibly smart, imaginative, creative. And I really just help them work on the grown uping parts of life. And so it's really boring what I do, but I encourage them and we learn different ways of thinking. We work on what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. So there's three things I specifically work on. Emotional regulation, and that's getting the limbic system calmed down. It's actually identifying a real risk and not a hypothetical risk. Then we do cognitive flexibility. That's when your brain understands like, hey, I have an option here and I can choose this option. And then the cognitive control. And that's where you're you're actually making a choice. Okay, here's my thinking pattern. Here's how I'm going to behave because of my thinking pattern. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Doc Rock is here and he says, have have that thought every day because I get paid to make YouTube videos. It's a, like, this is a weird job. You know, I sometimes wonder, I get paid for doing this. What what's all that about? I don't know. It's uh, it's it is a strange world we live in. So, if we are creating content, if we are entrepreneurs that are helping, uh, you know, we are coaches or consultants, or uh, but we've got all this stuff going on, and we're feeling the overwhelm, and we know that we need to create a YouTube video uh, that comes out right. next week, but we're we just can't get motivated. We're, we're procrastinating. <laughs> Instead of resorting to all those negative hacks that we 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 did in, in our previous life, what are the kind of things that we should be doing in order to get on with our businesses and, and get on with our lives? So I think the number one thing for your listeners is to know the difference between divergent thinking and convergent thinking. Divergent thinking is the wild creative. We think in a constellation, everything's related. Uh, We pop down the rabbit holes and explore things. But then the convergent thinking, again, that's the boring grown up details. So let's say your listener who makes uh, videos, uh, he makes YouTube videos and gets paid. First of all, dude, you're awesome. Um, That's exactly what you should be doing but probably he has a problem in the editing because that's the boring part. Um, That's the part that is less creative. It calls for him to be very convergent in his ideas. In other words, he has to start making cuts and choices and that doesn't feel as good for the ADHD brain. So your listeners really need to focus on the convergent. What do I do in the convergent when it gets stuck in that part? Because most of your listeners, man, they can fly free with the divergent thoughts. It's always bringing it down to the action. And so anytime um, we have to initiate a task, start by thinking, okay, is this a convergent task? This is why I have no emotional interest. And we we actually name, I, I have no emotional interest in this. And then the next question is, if I have no emotional interest, that's ADHD, then what is it that I can do to get the emotional interest? Yesterday, I had a client, um, she is finishing a summer class and she said, I, how do I make myself do this? 
I said, well, try changing where you're doing it. And so she picked up her things, went to a coffee shop, worked on just one assignment and got that done. And so that's an example of she had a convergent task to do. She knew what to do, but she couldn't kind of figure out the how and the when. And so changing the environment kind of helped her figure out the how and the when. That's a great tip. Just getting out of the house or getting out of your office, going somewhere else can make a massive difference. I've, I've also found changing like the sound environment. I've got these noise cancelling headphones and, and putting something that will get rid of any distractions and things like that and just change yeah. change the atmosphere really, really helps. Uh, Doc Rock says cognitive flexibility. Yes, that is a game changer. I love this. And Katie Simpson says, I totally agree about editing videos. I hate it. It's so boring. And this kind of... Re- this is one frustration that I've had. I, I used to be absolutely awful at delegation. I was a control freak. But in the last three years, I've slowly grown a team. So I, I don't edit my podcast anymore. I get somebody else to do that because I was spending too long in it and it was boring. And I have a, an assistant who helps with all the boring stuff, basically. Sorry, Tonya, but you, you're amazing. Thank you for helping me. But... <laughs> It's, you know, it just seems kind of like unfair in a way. I, I, I don't, I don't think like this, although occasionally I do I think like I'm actually spending quite a lot of money. It seems like I'm spending more money than somebody who was doing what I was doing without ADHD because I'm having to pay for somebody else to do all the stuff that I'm not, I get bored with. Is that kind of a common thing? Oh, it's so common. And yet I say this is a great optimization tactic. So whatever you find boring, and there are neurotypicals who don't find it painful. I mean, it is absolutely painful for us to do certain things. So if, if you're good at the divergent and you can hire out, you're in a situation where you can hire out the convergent, by all means do it. Because that's going to free you up to be the divergent person that, that your business is probably founded on. So... Um, I do want to say something and we call it, we joke about this in our, in my biz, we call it the ADHD tax and we get taxed. And so Ian, you were kind of referring to an ADHD tax there saying, well, I hire someone to do this because I'm not interested in doing it and we just pay it. Parking tickets are all ADHD taxes. I, I like that. I think that's a good way of putting it. And don't get me wrong. It's it's one thing that I, I've actually, I've really enjoyed working in a team and it's, it's freed me up to kind of focus on what I love doing. And, and I actually, I, I just love working in a team, but where I can still be creative. And, and that's great. Um, I could say Melissa's boring. I used to be a bookkeeper. Yeah. That's the other thing I've, <laughs> I've, I, I definitely, I pay for a, a, a bookkeeper. I can't stand. Well, I think that's one of the traits, isn't it? That people with ADHD, we're not very good with managing finances. Is that right? Well, actually I work with some financial people, but my saddest clients are accountants. Oh, really? And they're, they come to me going, how can I get out of this? <laughs> oh my um, goodness. Oh, wow. Uh, they're great. They're brilliant people. And someone said, hey, you're good at numbers. Be a bookkeeper. And they're like, okay. And then yeah. you're like, how can I get out? Not a, not a good choice. <laughs> Doc Rock says, I love editing. Yeah, I, I'm actually with you, Doc. I actually do 
in one sense enjoy editing but i do get bogged down at the end over uh, over polishing them because it's being a perfectionist pro tip hire an editor asap even if you're good at it and that's what i did i found it really hard but i was a is perfectionism a bit of a an overthinking is that kind of an adhd thing too i uh, absolutely um if you think about perfectionism i actually wrote about this um my editor cut a lot of it because I spent a lot of time writing on perfectionism uh, because it it stops my clients in their tracks. And the idea is if I can't do it perfectly, I will work to get it perfectly. Those of us with ADHD brains, we have big possibility brains. So we're idealistic on what perfection is. We don't even know what that means. So we keep kind of searching for it. It's the holy grail. Whereas a neurotypical can go, that's good enough for right now. That's we brought it to a finished product. We never know when anything's done. I know the book's done because the editors told me you're done. <laughs> we need somebody to tell us it's done. This is why I love live video though, because like I can't, if yeah. I stumble over my words, as I have done on many times uh, today, it, it, doesn't matter because it, it's done it's done and at the end of this it's done and then i can i can then send this off to my editor and we can turn it into a blog post it's it's wonderful but the yeah the overthinking and then sometimes comparing yourself with others that's a big issue i think with live video because we look at what other people are doing think oh I, I could never be like that i think sometimes it the issue is a task is boring but sometimes i think the task is just too overwhelming because we want it to be perfect and we don't think we've got the mental energy to do it and, and like oh my goodness i so you end up like checking your emails or going to the bookcase and, and thinking getting a book down yeah. on gardening even though you're not interested in gardening and don't even have a garden and then you <laughs> you know this is something i've done like like uh, any any help for for us that we've got something coming up that we have to do it might in my case it's a blog i i i'm actually very very good at writing a blog post if i have that in my in my old self i had the hyper focus if i suddenly sat down and did it and i just pumped it out it would be amazing but quite often i just can't be bothered. I don't know what it is. How can I <laughs> yep. get that? How can I get to actually do it? Yes. So what's happening is it's it's in a spot where it's not fun and it's not even emotionally interesting. And so usually you have to change one of those two variables to make it either turn up the emotional energy or make it fun somehow. Now medication does tend to turn on our just do it button so you most of my clients work so much better and easier and they don't have to work as hard emotionally to just start the stupid blog post um so my little plug for medication there um again i'm not a doctor i don't play one on tv but medication can help us work not as not as hard um you mentioned something that I want to follow up on ADHD people, because of how our brains work, we don't know how to sequence our activity. And in, even though you write blogs all the time, your brain kind of goes, I don't know. I don't know how to start this blog. I don't know what to do. And it just kind of sits there, folded arms like, nope. And there's a part of you going, well, come on, we know this, we know what to do. 
And so sometimes I help my clients by saying, write out every step. And I do this um, in session and I'll say, okay, so what do you think is your first step? And they say this, and I'll repeat. So Ian, this is, you, you think setting down and just starting to write is your first step. And then Ian would say, well, it's not actually. Actually, first I would have to do this. I'm like, oh, that's good. So this is your first step. And usually, Ian, you would come back and say, actually, here's the first step before all of that. And the ADHD brain doesn't even know where to start sometimes. So I teach people to make a list of steps and you'll be surprised at how you really can't order it in your head as much as you think you can. And so anytime I have a project, I, I literally, it, you would think that my notebook is written by someone with a closed head injury because I write out every little step and check it off. And that's because I know my brain. My brain doesn't sequence activities really well. That's really helpful. And I think as entrepreneurs, we often, we're working on our own. And that's great because you've got that creativity. You can kind of do what you want. But it's also, it's it's quite, it's not so much lonely, although it can be, but we don't have anyone else that we can bounce these ideas off or uh, allow us to process our ideas. And I, I read somewhere that people with ADHD need to kind of to talk to somebody else in order to kind of process their ideas. I, I'm an introvert, so I, I tend to, I quite like time on my own, but I've, I've always found that I need to talk to other people in order to kind of understand what I'm actually thinking and to to come up with a plan on how to do stuff. And just like the blog post, what you just said there to somebody who's neurotypical seems like pretty obvious. Well, like Ian, like write a plan, you know, like, okay, that's, but I didn't think about that, you know? So what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> You're my people. That's why. You're my people. <laughs> Oh, it's hilarious. Uh, uh, Doc Rock says, perfectionism, she sees me. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, Love you, Doc Rock. <laughs> but yeah, Katie says, you, can, you can't go back on a live video. Such a relief. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So there is, I mean, it's funny. It is, it is like, you'd think that live video would be the last thing that I would want to do because it is scary and the tiger is about to come and attack me and kill me. And I had to go through that process of getting over that fear and turning that into excitement. But I'm so glad I did because it does, it's the perfect antidote to perfectionism when it comes to creating content, I believe. Melissa says, my family jungle, my family garden is a jungle. Uh, Katie says, I get stressed by having lists, but this is uh, this is your Asana steps in. Asana is uh, this process project management tool. Yes, you're right, Katie. But I, I have to admit, Asana and lists do not fill me with joys. Um, any final things that you'd like to share with us before we finish, Tamara? So I... Ian, I just want to kind of back on um, mm. lists make us nervous and, and it kind of shuts us down emotionally. I was talking about steps on what to do first, second, and third, not a to-do list. Um, I use a to-do list, but I'm in the advanced ADHD category. And even I have to be careful because they can overwhelm me. So um, what I'm talking about here is just know what to do first, second, and third. And again, to our neurotypical friends out there, I get it. It's pretty obvious, but it's not to me. <laughs> I feel so much better. Oh, that's great. So 
how can people get help? They can obviously, you have a book coming out and let's talk about the book. So this is coming out in September. It's called Your Brain's Not Broken, which I love the title and you can uh, pre-order it from Amazon. If you just go to iag.me forward slash brain, that will redirect you to that. Um, so yeah, tell us uh, tell us a bit more about the, the book and how that's going to help people. I, I actually uh, wanted to write this book. Um, not because I'm a person that felt like she had to write a book, but I was listening to my clients and they were talking about how much pain they were in from having ADHD and how just crappy they felt. And I really wanted to, it's this, this book is almost like a letter to my clients. I don't know yet. It's like, here's what I wish you knew about your brain and here's what you can do about it. Um, you don't have to live under this like immense shame or you don't have to hate yourself just to get this letter published. I feel like my clients helped me write it. They're all kind of like little ghosts in my head. head only one head. Um, ghosts in my head kind of <laughs> telling me um, different ideas. And I could kind of, I really leaned into listening to what am I, a lot of my, what my clients were telling me. Mm, well, that's really helpful. I can't wait uh, for the book to come out in September. We haven't got that long to wait, although waiting for things is is always difficult if you have ADHD. So not always strong. No, I know. And if people want more help, you know, seeing a doctor, you mentioned you're not, I mean, you are a doctor, but you're not a medical doctor. Um, right. And that's important to say, I'm, I'm certainly not. I thought actually my wife, my wife um, has got a, a PhD. She, she she's um, in music. And I actually thought about doing a, a, a doing a PhD. Um, and I thought about it for about five seconds. And I thought, oh no, it's too much work. So, <laughs> um but that's a whole other story. If people want to maybe kind of get some help and get coaching, I mean, what, what would be the best place to go to, to find an ADHD coach? Yeah, uh, there, um, there's websites. Uh, so there is ADHD Europe. Um, they have a lot of research resources there. Um, I'm the president of ACO, the ADHD coaching organization. If you go to ACO, um, Gosh, I should know my website, uh, but I don't because that is a short-term memory issue associated with ADHD. <laughs> um, if you look up ADHDcoaches.org, uh, uh, we have a list of highly it's, qualified it, yes. coaches. It's, it's ADHDcoaches.org, would that be the one? That is correct, yes. There we go. So that's where you should go. Go to ADHDcoaches.org. And how can people find out a little bit more about you? Uh, where, where's the best place to connect with you? Uh, my website is www.miadhd.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tamara. Do check out Tamara's uh, book. It's coming out in September at iag.me forward slash brain. It's called Your Brain's Not Broken. I can't wait to read that. And thank you so much for coming on the show. I feel we've only just got to the got into the what's the, what's the phrase I, the heat's getting to me um what's the <laughs> phrase it's something like that anyway um we, we've we've there's so much more we could talk about and uh, thank you so much for all the amazing comments i can see melissa saying thank you uh doc is saying this is great and katie also says book sounds great we should have a book club and read it through together um definitely although i i, I tend to kind of 
prefer audiobooks because I get I don't know it is an audio so yes oh that's good it's coming as an audiobook as well so there we go are you reading it or have you got somebody else to read it oh heck no am I reading it I would stumble <laughs> I whoever yeah no that would be a nightmare so someone okay. else somebody is else reading it. So, okay yes. okay well that's hey, great Ian, you are fantastic thank you so much so I, I appreciate the work you do Oh, thank you, Tamara. It's been great to have you on the show. Really appreciate it. Well, that is the end of the show uh, today. Uh, we're going to be going live next week, a couple of uh, episodes next week as well. Uh, so that's going to be exciting. And uh, yeah, so I want to encourage you to level up your impact, authority and profits through the power of Confident Live Video. See you soon. Toodaloo. Thanks for listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Make sure you subscribe at iag.me forward slash podcast so you can continue to level up your impact, authority and profits through the power of live video. And until next time, toodaloo. Give me some ADHD. Mindset optimization tips. ADHD mindset optimization. Yeah. Dr. Tamara Razia. Help me now, please. Ooh.